Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. We're going to continue this week. I told you uh, before last week. How many enjoyed last week? Wasn't that awesome? That was good. That was good stuff. But uh, the week before that, I told you I was going to continue a series on the grace of God, which I'm going to do right now. I want to speak this morning on abounding grace, which we could say abounding grace is what? Abounding favor. Because grace is nothing more, nothing less than favor. John Maxwell said about leadership, he said, leadership is nothing more, nothing less than influence. And so grace in the same way is nothing more, nothing less than the favor, the favor of God, because it is the outflow of the love and the mercies of God that are extended toward us. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit, but I, I was just, I was just surprised when, when I saw this in this context, but I'm going to bring it out to you. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. It's a powerful passage of scripture, and, and it's about the grace of God. It really is. And it says this, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let each one of us do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. And God is, everybody say, God is able. God is able to make all grace. And what is grace? It is the favor of God to abound to you that always having, everybody say always. Always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written. Now Jesus was always saying, it is written. You know, and it's important that when we see those places, particularly said where it says, as it is written, we pay double attention to it because it says, as it is written, he scattered abroad and gave to the poor, his righteousness abides forever. Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food, where else have we seen that? I believe that's in Isaiah 55, 11, somewhere along in there. He who supplies seed for sower and bread for food, say this with me will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. I want to share a principle with you that if you have your right hand extended in giving, you can reach your left hand out and receive constantly. But if you close up your right hand, just put your left hand in your pocket because it ain't going nowhere. Because if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. But if we sow bountifully, then we reap bountifully. We are participating in the grace of God. He is able to make all things abound toward you, all grace. He's able to make it abound. Now, what is grace again? Grace is... The favor of God. And let's kind of recap that. It's the, it's, the, it's the Greek word charis. Everybody say charis. Yeah, say it with meaning. Charis. <laughs> yeah, that'll help you remember it. Charis. And we get the word charismatic. We get the word charisma. 
from this word. But it is the grace, the goodness, the outflow of the goodness and the mercy of God. It is undeserved mercy and favor. That's what grace is. Now, just for the sake of clarity, in case you don't already know, grace is getting what you don't deserve. We don't deserve goodness and favor, do we? But we get grace, and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. We deserve death. We deserve hell. But God says, no. I thank God for that scripture that I read for you last week out of... Out of uh, uh, Psalm chapter 30, it says that, that his anger is for, but for a moment, but his favor, his grace is for a lifetime. His favor is for a lifetime. His grace is for a lifetime. God gives us that simply because he loves us. Now, God loves everybody. You know that? You know, there's certain people that you love and there's certain, certain people that you really love. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you love everybody. And some people are harder to love than others. Anybody ever notice that? I'm probably very hard to love for some people. You know? I mean, it's tough. I mean, Brian said it's tough. <laughs> bless his heart. God bless you, Brian. I love you, man. I love you. But the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Where else does it say that God particularly loves any type of individual? I can't think of any other place in there, can you? Except that he loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver so much? Anybody ever have your kids or your grandkids sit down and learn how to share? You know? And when they don't, you got problems on your hand, don't you? I got two little Shih Tzus, and they don't like to share sometimes. You know, they throw a bone in there and watch them. They're like Christians sometimes. <laughs> I want that. They go at it, man. But you throw two bones in there, they're, they're, they're okay until one steals the other one's bone. You know, they, they're just that way. And that's what selfishness is really all about. But God wants to deal with the selfishness inside of us and make us selfless. So the things really don't matter. They just don't matter. You know, one thing that I've always noticed, and I've been a part of funeral processions. I've watched funeral processions. One thing I've never seen before, I have never seen a tractor-trailer or a U-Haul behind a hearse. Have you? Loaded up with all their goods. Have you ever noticed that? It's like Job says, I came into this world naked. I'm going out the same way. I'm going out the same way. So everything that God puts in my hand doesn't actually belong to me, does it? I'm just a steward of everything that he puts in my hand. What am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? You know, we, we see people all the time, and, and I'll be honest with you. How many have ever passed by somebody that's got a sign, we'll work for food, or you see them outside the post office or something? You see them, and you do this. You go, anybody ever been guilty of that? 
I, I mean, we got three honest people in here. Don't tell me you stop every time and give them something. You know, what do we do? We normally get on our high horse and say, drunk, lazy man. You know, we, we close up our bowels of compassion and we don't do anything to help them. I saw a man outside the post office yesterday as I was going in. I stopped by to go in and get the mail and I saw him sitting there. And uh, he, did, he had his head down. And I walked over to him and I said, have you eaten today? And he looked up at me, and I recognized him. He used to work at a local restaurant. And it didn't take me long to empty out my wallet for him because I, I just saw somebody that's hurting. And this guy's tried so hard to get a job, nobody will hire him because he's, he's not of this country. And, and I just thought, dear God, dear God. And, and I gave him my phone number and I said, you know, when you, whenever you need something, call me. My son knows who he, who he is too. He's met him before. But we close up our hands so often. And often when we talk about giving, what's the context we talk of giving about? Where is it? In church. You know, we talk about giving. Talk about passing the offering tray. Give till it hurts. And this kind of thing. But giving should just be a part of our nature. You know, when we see someone in need, we should just give. We shouldn't have to have a second thought. My wife is famous for that. Honey, pull over. Pull over. I got to help this guy. I got to help this girl, you know. It's like, honey, we only got $20. (laughs) But that's what mercy is. Mercy is not giving them what they do deserve, but grace is giving them what they don't deserve. You and I have been shown what? Grace. We have been shown mercy. And Jesus said in the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5 and 6, he said, Blessed are the Merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. They shall obtain mercy. And the Bible tells us to forgive even as God in Christ has forgiven us. He has forgiven us with full pardon and mercy. That's giving. That's giving something that that sometimes we hold on to because we feel like we have a right to be angry with someone, to be bitter with someone, to to hold a grudge against someone. But we don't, do we? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Remember the story that Jesus told about the man in, 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 in Matthew chapter 18, and I'm way off of my script here. That's okay, isn't it? But in Matthew 18, he talks about two individuals, and there was one individual that owed his master, you know, maybe three or four months. He owed him a good, a good amount of money, but not that much. Maybe 50 denarii, which in today's terms would be about three or four months' wages. And that's really no small amount. I mean, if you knew somebody that 
owed you three or four months wages, you know, you'd kind of like to have it back. I mean, that might pay a power bill or something. And there was another who owed this insurmountable amount to his master. And the one who owed this insurmountable amount to his master goes to his master and he just, you know, the master's ready to throw him in prison and and throw his family in prison, take everything he's got. And he begs for mercy. And you know what happens? He gives him mercy. He forgives him all of the debt. And this wicked servant goes out from his master and immediately finds the guy that owes him the three months wages, the 50 denarii. And he takes him by the throat says, give me my money right now. I want it right now. Wow. Demands it of him. Has him thrown into prison. Well, when his master finds out about it, guess what? He's not too happy. He has him brought in and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you everything you had. There's no way you could have ever paid back all the money that you owed me. But I forgave you. And then you went out and you found your servant who owed you just a little bit. And you wouldn't have mercy on him. That's the way it is for us when we hold grudges, little things. They really don't amount to anything. I got a question for you. The things you've been holding on to, will they matter a hundred years from now? No. They won't. Will they matter for eternity? Yes, they will if you don't forgive. Give mercy liberally. The Lord loves a cheerful giver, Tim. He loves us when we give. You know, we talk about money all the time, giving money, giving time. You know, how about time? How much time do we really devote to the things of God in comparison to the things we devote to other things? I I can think of a hundred examples, but I won't use them because you probably got examples running through your mind of how we spend our time and we don't devote the time that we need to the things of God. God may be calling us to do something. We're like, well, I'll get around to it. Well, I can get a whole bunch around to us if I need to and have them for you so that you can get around to it and get it done. You know, if we would only do what God has asked us to do, we could advance the kingdom so much farther. I remember reading the story in uh, a book that, uh, uh, who was the coach of UCLA? I know Tim will know. He's a, who? John Wooden. John Wooden. And he was a stickler about teamwork. He said when they advanced the ball down the court, he said it wasn't two hands that put the ball in the, in the bucket. It was ten. Took ten hands to put the ball in the bucket. And if you didn't play team ball, I don't care how good you were. You weren't going to be on his team. He knew exactly what to do, and he knew exactly what his players were to do. And using that formula of teamwork, the guy had had won more championships than anybody else. Ten championships. I mean, that's unprecedented. I'm a big Dean Smith fan, and he also taught team, but nothing like John Wooden. That was was amazing. That's another story in itself. But let me get back to on on the script here. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Punishment, rejection, and so on and so forth. And, and in John three sixteen, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave extravagantly, didn't he? 
He gave the thing that was most valuable to him. And what do we give to the Lord? Do we give the thing that's the most valuable or do we just give service, a certain type of service? You know what I'm talking about. Lip service. Or do we give him our heart? Do we give him our all? God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake. Everybody say, for your sake. Now I want you to say, for my sake. He became poor. That I, through his poverty, might become rich. Wow. He became poor so that you and I could become rich. He gave it his all, didn't he? He gave everything he had. This all is the favor of God toward us. God favored us. He favored us. You know, those of you who have children, you understand the concept of giving. You give everything you got for your kids. You love them. So does God. He gave us everything he had just to show us how much he favors us. And, and we as children of God live in divine favor and in the favor of God. In, in, in these particular verses today, Paul specifically lays out God's desire for us to be bountiful with giving with the supposition that as we do, we are sowing seed which will cause his grace to abound to us in all things. You know what the worst thing you can do with a bucket of seed is? You know what it is? Eat it. The worst thing you can do with a bucket of seed is eat it. Best thing you can do with it is to do what? Plant it. But you don't go out and plant it on the road. You don't go out and find a rock pile and plant it there, do you? Where do you plant it? You find some good fertile soil and you sow your seed there. And I'm going to share some, some, some things with you in just a moment about sowing seed, but I just want to kind of get you in the, in the thought of this. I can personally testify to you this thing. God has never, ever failed me, and he has never, ever failed you. Have we ever failed God? Many, many, many times. Many times. And have we ever had some seed and didn't sow it? Yeah. And it's come back to bite me. There have been times God has put seed in my hand and, 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 you know, all I can think about, man, is run out and get a new pair of shoes or go down here, go do that, do that, you know, go to Disney World, do whatever. But God says, no, I want you to do something different with this. And, and there have been times in my life when God has put me to the test, has put money in my hands and then turn right around and I see a need. And what am I going to do? Am I going to obey God? And the, 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 the impulse inside of us is to do what? Eat our seed. But if we sow it in fertile soil, then we know that it's going to bring back what? A bountiful harvest. So it's a principle that we have to learn. It doesn't come natural for us to do this. Now, some people just have the gift of giving. God, I mean, it's a spiritual gift. They give everything. I mean, they're just... They're just inclined, that's, that's what they do. And it seems like the more they give, the more God gives them the ability to get wealth. And so they're just constant givers. But some of us have to be compelled to give. But as we learn, we get to a point that we're no, we're no longer giving under compulsion. We learn to give liberally because it just feels good. It feels good to give. 
And, and the cool thing is, when you got something in your hand, you know it belongs to God, and God says, give it. If you hold on to it, you're going to be eaten up with conviction. But when you release it, it just feels so good, don't it? It just feels so good. What is compulsion? Well, any, I thought you'd just never ask me that. It's the Greek word, ananke. Everybody say, ananke. It's kind of a hard word to pronounce, but that's what it is. It doesn't look like that, but that's the way you pronounce it. Ananke. A-N-A-G-K-E. Ananke. And it means under distress or constraint. It's kind of a must-needs or having-to or of necessity kind of attitude as a arising from the good or bad disposition of a person or persons or frame of mind or the nature and circumstances of the case or an obligation or a duty. How many have ever given out of a sense of duty? Well, I give because, bless God, the law says to give. God says I got to do it. And if I don't, that's given in compulsion. But as we learn to give and we learn to give cheerfully, everybody say cheerfully, cheerfully. and not fearfully, then we experience the joy of giving. It just feels good. I mean, the more you do it, it's, like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, working out. When you first start working out, it's a chore, isn't it? Oh, my. And even when you've been at it a while, it's still a chore. But you do it because it feels better when you get done. Best part of working out is finishing. Walking out of the gym. That's the best part about it. Doesn't feel good doing it because it requires something of you. Giving is kind of the same way. It requires something of us. It requires, first of all, faith. Now, some of us give out of faith. We have an attitude of faith, and, and we, we give because we know that giving is a method of sowing with an expectancy of a return on our giving. In other words, we call it investing in the kingdom of God. That's a good motivation to give, by the way. Nothing wrong with that. Except God wants us to take it deeper. It's not that we're just giving because we just want to invest in the kingdom, that we want to just get something in return. We give because we love it. Because it's the nature of God. We're his kids. It's just our father's nature. He loves to give, so therefore we love to give too. Amen? That was a pretty weak amen. I'm going to stick my finger in this thing and poke the button, and it's going to shock everybody. Everybody's going to say amen or ouch. We also give out of gratitude. I think this is the greatest motivation for giving because we recognize what God has done in our lives and returning to him a rightful portion of what he has so freely given to us. Luke 6.38 says it this way. Give, everybody say give, and it shall be given unto you. Now how's it going to be given to you? A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. Now, try that formula out and see if God doesn't meet every need that you have. I, I want to give a testimony of something. And, and um, my wife and I, about 10 years ago, it was around Thanksgiving. We had our nephews in our house and our kids were home. And all of a sudden, our furnace, well, it just stopped in the middle of the night. We woke up, and it was cold in there. I mean, you could see your breath. Most of the time, I can smell it, but that morning, I could see it. 
and it was cold. C-O-L-D, cold, chilly. And so I called the furnace guy, and he comes out, crawls up under the house, and he comes back around. He says, he's shaking his head. He's like, how in the world is that thing running? I said, I don't know, but I don't have the money to fix it. I said, can you fix it? He said, I'll do what I can. And he's a great guy. He's a really, really good guy. And he knows his stuff about furnaces. He's done it all of his life. And so he crawls up under there and he takes some duct tape. You can do wonders with duct tape. I've seen duct tape on airplanes. Believe me, I have. <laughs> Did anybody ever flown Aero Mexico? <laughs> but he takes some duct tape, crawls under there, and, and he, what it was, the exhaust on the gas furnace had fallen off. We noticed that the spider population had severely decreased. And there were no mice around our house. There just about weren't any vests around our house. But the thing had literally fallen off on the inside of the house. He goes under there, takes duct tape, works his magic, voila. And he comes back around and he says, I will not start it until you get a couple of uh, carbon monoxide monitors to put in your house. So we got a couple of them. He fired it up. Well, my wife and I prayed it through the winter because we didn't have the money to fix it. Prayed it through another winter. Prayed it through another winter. Winter after winter after winter. Three years ago, he comes out to my house in the middle of the summer, and it was so hot you could cook an egg on the sidewalk. And it was hotter than that in our house because of the air conditioner had gone out. And he doctored up the air conditioner. He said, this will get you through the summer, but you're going to need a new air conditioner before next year. Well, that was three years ago. Prayer works wonders, doesn't it? God is faithful. And so, you know, we try to be faithful to the Lord in those things, and we didn't want to borrow money or this kind of thing to get it done, but we needed it done. And so we were praying about it, and literally several weeks ago, I was sitting in the driveway, and I was praying. I was saying, God, help me. We need our furnace fixed. And I don't know if it's going to even make it through the rest of the winter. And summertime's coming and we need our air conditioner. I said, Lord, you've got to help us because we just didn't have it in the bank to do it with. And so the Lord laid it on someone's heart to bless us. And with that blessing, we were able to get our new air conditioner and furnace installed last week. Praise God. Hallelujah. So now we can turn our prayers towards something else. But God is faithful. God is faithful. He has met our needs at every turn, every corner. You know, sometimes we come right up until the very last minute, like mission strips and things like that, that God has told us to do. And at the last minute, God just supplies your need. It's like he knows. He knows what we have need of even before we ask. And so when he asks him, he meets our needs. And then he meets the needs of others. And so this is just the way that God works. It's, it's, the, it's the law of reciprocity, sowing and reaping. We give and God reciprocates. But he does it through other people because God is speaking to somebody else in the same way he's speaking to you. God will use somebody else to meet your need. And you, it, it, sometimes it might be the least likely person you could ever imagine 
that God is going to meet your need through. We might think, well, it's going to be this person or that person. But God just speaks and God works. Let's just say that God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? These are the mysteries of God. But he loves a cheerful giver and he loves when we are thankful for what he's done for us. And, and I know I could just allow you to take the microphone. We could be here tomorrow at this time listening to how God has met needs of people because we have trusted in him and because we've given to the Lord and we have sown. Now, the thing about sowing is when you sow, you have to do what? You have to wait for the harvest, right? It don't happen overnight. I wish it did. I'm the worst farmer in the world because when I put seed in the ground, I go out every day and check it. I want to see it grow. You know, I can't wait for those seeds to pop up out of the ground. And so my wife will tell you, when I plant a garden, I'm bad. I get up every morning. I start about three days after I plant it. And I go out there and start looking to see, is anything happening? And I love it when it starts to come, you know. But that's just the way it is. I mean, it's, it's, uh, but Proverbs 11, 24, 25 says this. It says, there is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there's one who withholds what is justly due, but it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. This is the law of divine reciprocity, the law or the principle of sowing and reaping. And the law of sowing and reaping is this, three things. Number one, we reap what we sow. If you're sowing good stuff, you're going to reap good stuff. If you're sowing bad stuff, guess what? It's going to come back. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And if you want to finish that one, you can go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, and, and get a good, a good rundown on that. And we reap according to where we sow, whether good or bad. If we sow in good soil, we're going to reap a good harvest. If we sow in bad soil, we're going to reap a bad harvest. If we reap in proportion to what we sow, if we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. See, reciprocity is best defined as this, favor for favor. Favor for favor. The favor of God. So he, you know, we we do God favors by allowing him to use us to be his hands extended to minister to other people. We show forth the favor of God in the way that we conduct ourselves and whether we meet the needs of other people and whether we meet the needs of communities. You see, God has called us to this community to be not just a light, but to meet the needs of people and, and people in this community. The spiritual needs, yes. Also the physical needs. God has called us to be givers. We show the favor of God upon this community. And the more we show the favor of God upon this community, guess what? the more God's favor is shown upon us. You know, somebody told me the other day, he said, Brother Don, you know, Brother Philip, Philip Miles, our, the chairman of EFI, says, he said, it's just amazing to see the favor of God upon you and your church. I said, I know. It really is. It's just incredible to see what God has done. We were standing out on the property yesterday over on Ridge Avenue. We went over yesterday, worked a while, chopped down a few trees, cleaned up a little bit. And we're just standing there looking. And, and, and I told one of the guys, I said, this, is, this belongs to Destiny City. God has given it to us. It belongs to God, but we are there to steward it. And guess what, folks? We don't owe a red cent. 
We don't know nothing. It all belongs to Destiny City. That's the favor of God. And I'm excited about that. So, just one more little thing here, and I'm done. Jesus said this in Luke 12, 29 through 34. He, he's talking to us about how we spend our life and whatever occupies our life and our life pursuits. You see, wherever we allow things to, to, to um, uh, dominate our lives and our thinking and those things, those are our favorite things. We may not say it's our favorite thing. You see, if we're asked, someone asks us, you know, what's your favorite thing? Oh, I love Jesus. He's my favorite thing. Well, if you love Jesus, do you seek his face? Do you long to know him more? Do you like to hang out with him? You like to be in his presence? If you love Jesus, are you a partner in the things that he loves to do? Do you love the world like he loves the world? Do you love the world so much that you want to see them saved that you're not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance? Do you? If you do, then Jesus is probably your favorite person. If not, then you're just kidding yourself. You love Jesus because you think, well, I got a ticket punched into heaven. That's the reason I love Jesus. Isn't that a selfish motivation? That's kind of using him, isn't it? If that's all we want out of him. But you know what? I love Jesus because he first loved me and he showed me his love in this and that God sent his son to die in my place and Jesus was willing to do it. He showed me, Tim, how much he loves me. So I love him. That's, that's, that's good stuff. I love Jesus with all of my heart. He's my favorite person. My bestest friend. If we spend our time doing other things other than things that are related to the kingdom of God, is the kingdom of God really our favorite thing? Are there other things that take precedence? You see? You see how favor works? But God is so concerned about us that he's all consumed about us. Whereas we're his favorites. Now, it's easy to see who has a heart for God. The evidence is found in our way of obedience to his word. If there's no true love for God, then there's no, there's a, if there's a lackadaisical attitude toward him and obedience to the principles of his word, then we can't really say that he's our favorite. Luke said in Luke 12, 29 through 34, and if you do not seek by meditating and reasoning to inquire into what you are, he says, do not seek or meditate and reason to inquire into what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be, a, be anxious or troubled of mind or unsettled, excited or worried in, in suspense for all the pagan of the world is greedily seeking these things and your father knows that you need them. But here's what we're to do. He says, only aim at and strive for and seek the kingdom. And all these things shall be supplied to you also. Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock. For it is what? 
It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, if that be true, then he says, sell what you possess and give donations to the poor. Provide yourselves with purses and handbags that do not grow old, an unfailing and inexhaustible treasure in the heavens where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. And verse 34 pretty well says it all, doesn't it? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We all want to be blessed and have the favor of God operating in our lives. When we learn to cooperate with God through giving and generosity, it unleashes an outflow of the grace of God in our lives that's evident to all around us, and it brings glory to God. And that's what God is after in our lives. That's why he says, God loves a cheerful giver. Because it just shows the Father's heart. That's what it does. That's what it does. I love Mother Teresa. She was one of my favorite saints of all times. Saint Teresa. You can say what you want to about her, but she loved Jesus with all her heart. It was evident. You know, she, she won the Nobel Peace Prize, which at that time was a million dollars. And they said, someone asked her, one of the reporters asked her, says, Mother Teresa, now what are you going to do with the million dollars? And she says, I'm going to feed more orphans and clothe them. That's what I'm going to do with it. I'm excited now I can do all of that. You see, her heart, her generosity toward God. She died a rich lady. She didn't have anything except the clothes on her back. But somebody put those on her when she came into the world. She went out without them, but she went out happy. That's the way we ought to go out. Amen. There's nothing in this world worth spending all our efforts and our time and everything else on other than loving Jesus. Sowing good seed. My wife has told me all the time, and she tells me this when I start to act up. She'll say, every deed sows a seed. (laughs) It's true. Every deed sows a seed. In other words, watch yourself, Don Vess. Because <laughs> you're going to reap what you sow. So whatever we sow, we need to do it gladly, don't we? Amen. And if we can't do it gladly, then just don't do it. Put the brakes on. <laughs> don't do that. But be generous. Be generous toward God. Be generous toward others. Hey, it's fun. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I believe it was uh, Jesus that said that, according to what it says in the book of Acts, in Acts 4.20. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive, and that's a fact. So, when we live and we operate in the favor of God, we're showing who our favorite is by the way that we live our lives. And we walk in his favor. And I told you before, and I'll tell you again, I'm God's favorite son. He loves me more than he loves anybody else. I know that to be true. Because that's just the way that I feel. Amen? And say, Pastor, that's blasphemy. Maybe to you it is, but to me it's not. To me it's a truth. Because Jesus loves me so much, and I know that. 
He has favored me. He has his hand of divine favor upon me. And I love it. Praise God. I love it. I don't know about you, but when we're living in the favor of God, we learn to operate in his principles. And we find out, hey, it don't hurt nearly as I thought it would. You know, it's fun. It's fun being a Christian. You know, someone said, you know, I don't want to be a Christian because it's boring. I don't know what kind of Christian they are, but it's certainly not boring. It's exciting. It's exciting. You know, sometimes I just have to slow down to let me catch up. Because it's so exciting. Living in this kingdom, being a part of what God is doing, and experiencing his divine favor. Walking in it. It's good. Amen? Amen. Now, I want you to say this with me. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. I just want you to say this. Because as you make this your confession of faith, God begins to do something. You know, my brother said this to me many times, and I just look at him like a calf looking at a new gate, thinking, what in the world and who in the world do you think you are? Because I would ask him how he was doing. No matter how he was doing, he would always say this, I am blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. I thought, man, why do you say that? Because sometimes it didn't look like he was blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. I mean, he may not have had the stress, but I could, you know, if you looked at his circumstances, you probably would have thought he's not being blessed with the best. But he was. And he said to me one day, he said, This is my confession of faith. And I believe it because it's true. And you know what? The Bible says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord hath delivered us out of them all. So, Father, we thank you. And I want you to say this with me. I am blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. I'm God's favorite child, and I love him for it. Thank you, Father. Lord, we bless you, God. We thank you, Lord God, that we can participate. You've been listening to Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.